Hello and welcome once again to episode 118 of Code Completion. We are a group of iOS developers and educators hoping to share what we love most about development, Apple technology, and completing your code. My name is Dimitri and I'll be your host once again for this episode and I'm joined today by my fellow completionist, Spencer. Hey there. Uh, so we're going to start off with a uh, code completion themed section called deprecation warning, uh, where we uh, follow up on what we talked about last time. Uh, and uh, Twitter is once again a topic for this because they doubled down in their assholisms and decided to outright uh, rewrite their rules and then say, oh, our rules have always been this way uh, and they have never changed. Uh, but we think these uh, top tier uh like uh clones of the twitter experience shall not be allowed um so i think i'm done i i don't i don't have anything else to to share on twitter i don't think um one i hate their website and i hate their app uh and i don't want to experience any of that so i'm just gonna be posting stuff that redirects to Macedon until they like arrest me um for it i guess that's like how i'm going down um but yeah so long and thanks for all the fish yeah that's it's a huge bummer what they've done i'm i'm with you i think as well i think what i'm gonna do is probably back up my my tweets because like oh good call i don't know if that still uh, works but good call <laughs> oh yeah i'm gonna try i've done i did it a few years ago just to see but I don't know. Like it was, it's been a huge part of my life for like well over a decade now. So um, I kind of want to preserve like what I've done on there, if, if only like for my own reference, you know, twenty years down the line or something, just for fun. But um, yeah, I think I'm done too. And unfortunately, Mastodon is like not at probably a, a level where it can scale super well so like every time we were just talking about this in the pre-show but like every time i try to use mastodon it seems like something doesn't quite work <laughs> or it's slow to log in or you know like on a new device i had to log back in and it took like five minutes just to like go from the main page to the login screen so it's charming it's quirky for sure <laughs> it's got its quirks um but yeah, it's a super big bummer for people like um, uh, the the people over at Tweet or at whatever Tapbots and uh, the people that make Twitterific and other Twitter apps because that was probably just like out of left field for them. They didn't see that at all coming, and I'm sure was a fairly significant source of revenue um, for them as well as being sort of beloved apps, whether it was. Um, Twitter epic or, or tweet tweetbot, um, mm-hmm. it was you know like everyone I knew used one of those. So, um, yeah, super big bummer. I know that uh, Tapbots are kind of pivoting over to making a client called Ivory for Mastodon. Um, I don't know what the people uh, who made Twitter epic are doing, but um, yeah. I think they're just I mean, retiring it. They have they have other apps that they're kind of focusing oh, on, okay. yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, um, okay. and Craig Hockenberry uh, and other folks that work at the Icon Factory. Um, okay. But yeah, to to give a, a little bit of a rundown, I think the folks at Tweetbot, which is Paul Haddad and uh, Mark Jadine, uh, those are probably wrong. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> sincerely, I, I hardly ever should ever. 
uh, rely on my memory for anything. Uh, but uh, they seem to have saw seen the writing on the wall because they did start Ivory uh, quite a ways ago, and we've been both waiting patiently to uh, get a chance to hump on, hop on uh, the test flight. That yeah. said, it seems like they're focusing on just getting something out onto the App Store by end of January. So if you've also been waiting to try Ivory out, um, then you should be able to just go ahead and download it and subscribe and support them. Um, if you have been like supporting uh, either of these apps via in-app purchase or whatnot, don't cancel. Uh, do cancel uh, your subscription, but don't uh, ask for a refund because that would yeah. essentially cripple these very small companies. Um, I was joking around in our private Slack that I sincerely hope that there is a class action lawsuit against Twitter for this because this like is blatantly against their own agreements um, and is absolutely uh, silly that it's being led to pass. And the only reason it's being led to pass is because the person that's calling the shots is a billionaire who doesn't care about consequences. Uh, yeah. So I hope that there are consequences because this is not fair to uh, several small teams, not just Sapbots and Icon Factory, uh, but a whole bunch of other uh, yeah. players in the space uh, that were outright encouraged and now defrauded of uh, time and uh, effort, uh, which is not cool at all. So um, I do hope that there is a class action lawsuit or individual lawsuits, uh, nothing better than having 17 lawsuits down your back, um, <laughs> that would aim to to set some precedents for stuff like this. That way uh, billionaires don't get ideas because it seems like they think that they can do whatever they want um and yeah that's i don't think that's cool uh so hoping that that happens i don't think it will happen because these teams are much too small to like yeah. start a legal battle on their own um so unless there are some uh enterprising lawyers who want to get a 50 percent cut uh of this a very large deal then uh <laughs> i don't think it's going to happen uh, but it could, um, and I wholeheartedly support it if it does, um, because yeah, yeah, consequences should have or action should have consequences, um, especially when they're ill motivated. Uh, on to uh, slightly happier news. Um, it seems like we were totally correct <laughs> last episode. Uh, I don't know if we like which details we got wrong, if at all. Uh, but there was an event. Uh, thank you, Rumors, for specifying that there would be an event right before we started recording. <laughs> um, and it did happen. Uh, and there was not only one event, but two events. Um, and by events, I mean press releases with uh, many videos attached to them. Uh, videos that were from November. So this is like stuff that got canceled. Uh, at, or not canceled, but definitely pushed Push back. back. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it seems like uh, we ha not only have uh, a lot of new stuff, we got new processors. So let's talk about those first. Uh, we have the M2 Pro and the M2 Max. Yeah. And M2 Max Mac. <laughs> M2 Max Mac. Yeah, it just rolls it's never off the tongue. Be not funny. No. Anyways, <laughs> what's so uh, special so, about these chips? Yeah, so I think it offers a meaningful performance uplift. So. The M2 Pro um, has a 12-core CPU and an up to 19-core GPU, which is just like the weirdest odd number <laughs> ever to have, but okay. It rounds up against at the max, don't worry. 
Yeah, I so know. But... Why 19? That feels like it would be hard to program against. Just saying, yeah. uh, as a programmer, like, never choose odd numbers. Like, no. whenever there's odd numbers with pixels, it's like a mess. So it's like, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it can have up to 32 gigs of memory. Uh, the M2 Max has is the same core count, 12 uh, CPU cores, rather, um, and 38 GPU cores, so effectively doubling it. Um, and it can have up to 96 gigabytes of memory, which is um, almost triple or a little over triple. I don't know. Math is hard. No, it's exactly triple. Okay, cool. Yeah, math. so that's, that's, that's where I'm kind of confused, actually, because... The M2, like, its memory ceiling was 24 gigabytes. So I was assuming it would go from, like, 16 to 24 for the M2. It sure. would go from 32 to 48 for the M2 Pro. Uh, and it would go from 64 to uh, 100 or 96, is it, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. for the M2 Max. Um, like, it would follow that same linear progression. Yeah. And I'm surprised that the M2 Pro doesn't have that 48 gigabyte here. Like... Yeah, Just not I was think, not expecting that. Yeah, I think my only thinking for that is just where it's placed in sort of that product stack. I'm wondering if the people who buy M2 Pro chips just like never upgraded the memory uh, to whatever its max was for the M1 Pro, and so they're like, yeah, there's no point in going all the way up to 48 if um, like very few people are going to use them. Uh, that would be my guess, but. I'm not sure. Yeah, um, I think I would prefer like a model the M2 Max instead of boosting the GPU, just boosted the RAM and CPU. Like that would be like my ideal. Yeah. Um, and I think that would be an ideal for a lot of developers, but mm-hmm. I think we're yeah. the minority, so it's probably not a not a big deal in the grand scheme of things. But yeah, alas. I wonder how how you know for for the even smaller subset of of people that are like game developers on the Mac, how useful those extra cores are. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, catering to an even smaller audience sort of, but yeah. Do those uh, exist? <laughs> That's yeah, my I follow-up know, right? question. Well, I see them in, in <clears throat> keynotes. So yeah. Yeah, there's at least one of them. I know a lot of the creative work gets done on iPads, which is like oh, a little mind blowing if you think about it. That is, it's like hey, the game development work that's designing characters and all that—it's all done on iPads. They're the best digital tablets at the moment, uh, so why not just draw directly on those? Um, that that again true. is probably just finished up on PC, which is a shame for the Apple ecosystem, but that's what it is. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, I think the biggest thing that is exciting is the, the two extra cores. Um, they're two extra efficiency cores, right? Mm-hmm. They're not performance cores. So we yeah. still have four, and I think there are four... models without them. Like you can get a cheap M2 Pro that doesn't have the, the two, two extra extras. cores or something. Oh. Okay. Kind of like they did with the M1s, but yeah. So, um, I'm not sure about this. You you pulled up the M2 or the M1 and M, M1 Pro and M1 Max spec sheets. So sounds like the memory bandwidth is the same, 200 mm-hmm. gigabytes, right? Yep. Um, so that hasn't changed. It's probably using the same memory, which is, I guess, probably DDR4. Um, DDR5 now. Oh, is it or DDR5? LP DDR5. Right, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, it does have so a larger you... cache. Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, incremental upgrades. I don't know. Again, like we talked about, uh, I don't know, a couple episodes ago or something. Even with this now released and having seen it, it's not enough for me to want to like upgrade to it. But if I didn't have it like an M1 Max laptop for work or something, my work would probably just buy this instead, right? Like just whatever yeah. it was. So um, good upgrades all around. Yeah, uh, and it seems like, uh, as, as we mentioned in a past episode, we're not sure if the LPDDR5 means that it has error correction or not. It's just a hodgepodge of spec mess. Yeah. Um, so there's there's that to look forward to, uh, I guess, in more in-depth reviews, probably by Nantech. Um, and then uh, as for the, the cash like increases, I think that's what gave apple silicon its huge like leapfrog jump from where uh the industry was to where they just like placed themselves yeah. for relatively slow uh and i say relatively because i still remember the days when like sub one gigahertz was common um but relatively slow processors uh that uh got a minor minor bump in and processing speed so that's good um but like are not like the I would say most of the games come from uh, the memory bandwidth um, or not the memory bandwidth per se, but the memory uh, caches that allow mm-hmm. the processor to not twiddle its thumbs as much because there's a certain yeah. point where you can like boost your processor to whatever speed you want and it's not going to get the data in time uh, and there's just latencies inherent to the system that even if you can shuttle data quickly. Uh, you still have to wait for it to come and wait for it to like be requested. Uh, yeah. So I think that is probably what is helping uh, these chips the most. Um, and uh, it seems like you're going to get, at least on the high-end ones, like for the M2 Max versus the M1 Max, a 25% increase, uh, which uh, is... Like, I never like percentages because they don't really mean much. Like, if it takes an hour to compile your thing, a 25% increase does not mean you're saving 25% of the time. It uh, means you're saving 20% of the time because math is stupid. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's that's just, like, something to think about. Uh, you're going to be saving, like, about 10 minutes um, if it takes an hour. If it takes not an hour, you're going to take... If it takes one minute... It's gonna, you're going to save 10 seconds. seconds kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but that can be like uh, a very helpful addition throughout the day, right? Um, for myself, I'm way more interested in having that much higher RAM ceiling. Like 96 gigabytes is super appealing to me because my laptop uh, is like a sludge uh, due to how I work. I like open a lot of things uh, and have my brain scattered all over the place. And that works really well when everything is fast and fluid because I can just jump between things and not lose track of where my train of thought is going. Uh, but then as soon as stuff starts slowing down, then I start losing track of what I'm trying to do uh, yeah. and things are come to a standstill. So um, I'm looking forward to the higher RAM, RAM ceiling definitely uh, more than the processor increase, to be honest. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, yeah, cash can make a huge difference though. Um, AMD has they've kind of done this interesting thing where on the PC side, they're like stacking cache vertically. They call it like their 3d V cache. And it's just basically giving the, the, the processor more Ram. Um, they're kind of like 
special CPUs, but um, you, you see like all things equal except for just adding more cash. It like significantly improves workflows and gaming and all that stuff. So uh, the the amount of cash is huge. Um, another thing that I think is true. I, this is again from like one place that I looked, but um, from the M1 Pro and Max, the kind of highest clock speed, max clock speed is 3.22 gigahertz. And for the M2 Pro and Max, it's up to 3.48. So slight, you know, not huge, 200 megahertz, a little over 200 megahertz uh, clock speed boost. Which, hey, that's a quarter know. of my iBook G4 from back in the day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's whole computers worth that the computers are 30 years old, but still, <laughs> um, that I'm sure is also helping. So, yep. Um, incremental improvements, um, yep. which is good. Uh, and this is most exciting because these incremental improvements are making their way to, uh, one of the first machines that got introduced to Apple Silicon, uh, but then just kind of, uh, was left by the wayside, never to be updated again, uh, until now. Uh, and that is the Mac Mini. Yeah, so Mac Mini's got the M2, uh, and also they're adding the M2 Pro, which I think is super exciting. We've talked about it before, but the M the the M1 Mac Mini had tons of thermal headroom to uh, have a larger CPU, hotter, you know, faster CPU. So um, really cool to see that they're kind of going forward with. I mean, they're keeping the same chassis that they've had for like 15 years or something now it's it's been a long time uh, so it did change it's like a little oh. bit wider or something yeah oh, there, there's some some minor differences in the size and i don't have oh. it in front of me but uh yeah they they did like i don't know why they did because this means like new machines yeah. to grind down aluminum uh but they they did change it ever so slightly um okay. so there's that i stand I corrected guess. There was something that needed more room in there. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Well, regardless, um, it's nice that it's getting the M2 at that $600 base price. And then, you know, of course, you can add the M2 uh, Pro if you want to go a little higher end. And that'd be, man, that's such a sweet little, just for how cute and tiny it is, that's that's a lot of power. So uh, I'm, I, I always love Mac Minis. I just think it's adorable how small they are but also functional now that there's the M series in them. So yep. yeah. And I, I think, I think cool. this is, this is where that uh, Ram ceiling kind of hurts is because you can't get the M one max or M two max in the Mac mini. Uh, you're limited by 32 gigabytes of right. uh, memory rather than the hypothetical 48 um, that would have like followed the linear trajectory. So yeah. uh, that's a bit of a shame. Um, but uh, it's definitely a big improvement over what was there, uh, and it completely replaces the Intel one. So no more, no more Intel Mac Minis, uh, which is good. Um, yeah, yeah. And along with that, maybe it's worth mentioning. I think we talked about it before. Like one benefit of the Intel Mac Minis, it had four Thunderbolt ports, but now the M2 Pro version also has four Thunderbolt ports. So yeah, we're we're kind of on par uh, I/O wise as well. So. Um, and the M2 Pro Mac Mini starts at thirteen hundred dollars, so it's like it's a big increase in price from the M2. Um, but I'm just happy that the M2 or the Mac, sorry, the Mac Mini isn't just relegated to 
the base Apple Silicon of whatever generation we're on. So I think that's awesome. This means the most expensive Mac Mini you can buy is four thousand five hundred dollars, uh, which is <laughs> that's so weird. a lot. Um, that's with the eight terabyte SSD, which is like totally over- oh, overpriced, sure. but. Uh, I would say, like, if you just cared about processing speed and not about storage space, uh, you are looking, which, to be 100% clear, with a Mac Mini, you probably don't need to care too much about storage space unless you need to download multiple versions of Xcode. Then you're, you're kind of, uh, there's, there's no way out of that one, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, if you can connect an external SSD to this via Thunderbolt, then you're more or less good to, uh, get some external storage that's much more affordable um, and Way more affordable. not necessarily as fast, but maybe you don't need it that fast uh, for those kinds of tasks. So that's definitely something to uh, look forward to is a $2,000 like really, really fast Mac Mini um, with just the, the performance boosted rather than the SSD. Yeah. I will probably pick one of these up in a couple of years when... It's secondhand and, you know, about $600 for the M1 for, or the M2 Pro. I think it's well, super At that point, cool, you can but... just get the M5 normal and that will be the same speed. Probably. Yeah, probably. That's true. Yeah. I I don't know. I, I just, I have my work MacBook for anything, you know, powerful that I need to do for work. And then I just have my MacBook Air and it works fine. So it'd be cool to have a Mac Mini and especially because I'm almost always working from my desk my my work laptop is basically just a mac mini it just sits in its clamshell mode all day i don't even use the screen so that liquid xdr whatever display yeah so uh along with that they updated the macbook pros which is great yep so m2 pro m2 max in those so uh doesn't really seem like the chassis changed which I know Dimitri's a little sad about only having three Thunderbolt ports still. Um, yeah, uh, that that is like the biggest bummer. Yeah, because I wanted that extra port, but it is what it is. Uh, thankfully, we have uh, Thunderbolt uh, hubs now, so that's yeah. less of a concern, but uh, still a bit of a bummer. Um, yeah. A uh, couple cool things about it. Uh, I think it's cool that they're keeping the 14-inch model. That seems kind of like a nothing burger, but I love the the size of my 14-inch MacBook Pro. It's so good. Um, I don't need the extra screen real estate. I just like the small, compact, easy-to-carry size, so that's cool. Um, Wi-Fi 6E. Uh, so we finally are on par with the newest iPad Pro. Um uh, HDMI 2.1, which I think is sweet. So that can do uh, 4K at 240 hertz, right? Yep. And then 8K at 60 hertz. So uh, kind of slightly future-proofing us for the inevitability of, you know, the liquid retina or the whatever, ProDisplay XDR <laughs> 2 that has 8K or whatever. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, or my my fabled uh, super ultra-wide 8K quote-unquote monitor so yeah there are some limitations with the displays depending on like if you get the m2 pro versus the m2 max uh in terms of how many displays you can run uh so do keep that in mind if you are loaded with 6k displays already i guess um you can't you can't run three of them with the pro i don't think um Mm, that one is uh limited to two 
Uh, and I'm not sure if you can run the HDMI at 8K along with other displays. It's it's very like ambiguously worded, so we're gonna have yeah. to wait for the YouTubers to get their hands on on these uh, to to let us know exactly which configurations actually work. Um, but yeah, uh, it seems like they're boosting the capabilities all around, um, little by little, right? Uh, and yep. this is exactly what. Uh, we as uh, users of Apple of Apple stuff uh, have been hoping for, right? Spec bumps. Just incremental improvements. They don't need to change the chassis. I don't know why they changed the chassis on the Mac Mini. But they don't need yeah. to change the chassis on uh, the MacBook Pro at all because it just has the headroom available to it. And like every processor, every other processor generation is getting some sort of um, in- increase in in uh improvement for how it's how it's being built right um and that allows it to get better over time yeah yeah definitely um the 14 inch with the m2 pro starts at 2000 16 inch with the m2 pro starts at 2400 so that's like a fair increase just for the display i think the display is also like a little bit brighter or something or whatever but um i mean they're they're pricey but they man they they do good work at least my m1 max does um there was something else i wanted to mention oh uh it comes they are kind of going to be arriving to people and also available in apple stores on january 24th which is probably the day that this is going to come out or the day after depends on when i edit this um so we'll we might follow up next week or something to see you know what like dimitri said what youtubers and reviewers say so yeah it's exciting though it's it's definitely exciting um the most important change to these laptops is you now get a matched braided cable for the charger if you get the space gray uh mm. version uh so that's something to oh was it not look matched? forward to it is not matched up until it's now it's just aluminum yeah i i oh, bought some extras from that. the macbook air generation um mostly because my cat chewed through the power cables um as as they have chewed through many things in my life um but i still love them because they're cute and fuzzy and they sleep on me and that's like enough to change me over sleep um (laughs) um but yeah the the 16 inch can cost up to six thousand five hundred dollars uh if you go all out um so that's that's wonderful um that's a very expensive slab of aluminum uh that you you can own i think the biggest like uh, I don't want to say F you, uh, but the biggest like bummer about uh, the these machines costing so much is, say you bought uh, an M1 Max MacBook Pro fully loaded, 4 terabyte SSD, all the RAM, um, and you wanted to trade it into Apple, uh, you can get 1500 bucks for that <laughs> yeah. after 18 months, which is hilariously uh, undercutting it, so... If you do plan on upgrading because that 20% uh, decrease in time is important to you, uh, then definitely go ahead and uh, check out uh, alternatives because the Apple trade-in is not going to do you uh, service in that regard. Um, Like, I expect it to go down by 2000 bucks, but I think you should still be able to get three to $4,000 for a maxed-out M1 Max Mac. Yeah. Yeah. That's just personal opinion. Um, I personally am not going to be 
selling mine, nor am I going to be buying uh, a laptop like personally. Um, I may receive one from work. So if I do, then I can go ahead and give a review for that. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to potentially having 96 gigabytes of RAM because the 64 hertz um, when you have lots of Safari windows open. Yep, that's fair. Um, one thing I know, going backwards a little bit to the Mac Mini before we move on, there are no more Space Gray Mac Minis available. Um, and I wonder if that means that there is like a hole in the lineup for a more powerful Mac Mini, uh, potentially, uh, to come out. What do you think? That'd be cool. Um, I think the only thing with that is like the more powerful Mac mini to me feels just like the Mac studio. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if they would encroach on what the Mac studio is already with the the M two max, right. When, when they refresh the Mac studio, um, where my mind went with that was, I wonder if they're going to like maybe eventually do colored Mac minis. Ooh, that would be really nice. Cool. I would love I'm- that. I may or may not splurge and buy one of every color. I, I hate. Oh my gosh, dude! <laughs> That'd be I was so gonna pretty. say, I was gonna say, oh, I would splurge to get one too, and you're just like, I'll buy all of them. <laughs> so uh, I, I then need to motivate why I need uh, six Mac Minis, right? Yes. <laughs> that would yes, be the exactly the follow up to that. It's like, well, um, I set off on this adventure, and now I need to massively paralyze something. Uh, so let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It make a good a good mini supercomputer cluster thing. I mean, okay, so it. on that on that topic, uh, the eagle-eyed among uh, us may have noticed that uh, in the the video that showed off the new MacBook Pros and Mac mm-hmm. Minis and M2 uh, whatnot. So this is a video that was made back in November once again. Um, but that video uh, used to have racks and racks of Mac Pros, like the 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 server mounted ones. And those racks seemingly have been replaced with shelves of Mac Minis, eight per row. Yeah. Um, and I absolutely endorse this setup for how clunky it is. Like, don't go to Sonnet and buy like a seven thousand dollar chassis for your Mac Minis. They 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 stay vertically. It turns out they have flat edges. They just stay there. They don't move. Um, like just put them on a shelf. Uh, but uh, do give them a little bit of air. Uh, and do stack a lot of them in a server rack because they give you a whole lot of bang for your watt uh, in terms of raw performance and, and processing. And space, yeah. Like, I don't think you can get a Linux server that has that much processing capability within that space. Um, yeah. You absolutely can get, like, more storage. Like, they, they pack hard drives very well. Uh, but in terms of packing CPUs, like, that is not really a thing. Uh, mostly because they get so hot and they get they need so much power. But Mac Minis, they're cheap. They just need a lot of power outlets. Um, you'll probably need a bundle of switch in your little like modular setup. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking of Factor- Factorio now, where you like you have to make like a blueprint of like exactly the components that you can just like copy paste uh, from yeah, there. there. But yeah, I can imagine just get a 16 port switch um, with like some uplink uh, that's yeah. really really fast. Get 16 Mac Minis, put them in that shelf. Uh, front and back, and then you have a, a nice 6U uh, kind of component that you can do a lot of work on um, very effectively. So 
Um, yeah. If you are in the in the space of messing around with like high compute um, and you like using Apple frameworks for stuff, like consider that. Um, also consider setting up a cron job that restarts the computers every now and then because Mac OS, oh boy. Um, but the the <laughs> the hardware is excellent. To, going back to probably not having ECC RAM. Yeah. Uh, but maybe it has ECC RAM. Who knows? Um, that's like one of those magical moments that you can just like YOLO it. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's really uh, a cool setup to put together. Um, I think we won't have anything like that if Apple were to come out with like an XServe replacement. So um, it's still something that's possible with these. It's a shame that it's kind of clunky that you have to like just arrange stuff on a shelf rather than do anything productive with like oh this just slots in and it has everything um the the mac pro is kind of wasted in that regard because it just it's mostly empty space in that word uh unless you really have stuff to put in there uh but yeah um definitely definitely thumbs up that uh solution mac stadium definitely uh likes that solution in fact they don't use server racks they just use shelves uh with lots of lots of mac minis on them so you could like three D print some stands, I guess, if you really wanted to. I'm sure someone's made something like that for high density Mac Minis. Yeah, it's not like they're gonna melt. These machines like yeah. will run on nothing. Uh so definitely definitely a cool little machine. A little awkward in how like people have discovered that you could do stuff like this, but um definitely A plus there. Uh that said Talking about weird little machines, uh, we got a very surprise second day uh, announcement, and I almost thought that Apple's going to do like, hey, we're going to do announcements all week, uh, like they did that one time. Uh, but yeah, we have a new HomePod. Yeah, the full fat HomePod, which is great. Um, I think it got it a little fatter, right? It's a oh, little fatter it? and a little shorter. Um, is what oh, they said, or did it get taller? It it's like the s- there's some difference in the size. The screen, uh, the glass part on the top, maybe looks a little bit bigger. I'm not sure. They look really similar, though. It's kind of the same aesthetic going on, which is great. I think it looks great. Um, yeah. So I think the biggest thing with it is, um, it's got like matter support, which I think is huge. So kind of setting up for all of the you know matter being the new home standard. Um, being able to, you know, handle all that and just kind of be a hub for that. Um, it's got, along with actually the, uh, HomePod mini, it has, uh, temperature and humidity sensors built in, which is interesting. Yeah. The HomePod Um, mini got that just enabled, uh, via magic like next week. Um, because they were there all along, it turns out. Yeah. What was it that Apple like charged a dollar to everyone to enable? Was that FaceTime on the Mac? I think because that oh, was like a know, feature maybe. that they didn't market directly. And then due to the way that they did financing, they had to like charge for new features and they nice. thought that was dumb, but they're like, okay, everyone, if you want FaceTime, just pay us a dollar. And then you bought it. Um, I think I remember and, that like, back Steve in like, Jobs what? was like very, uh, <laughs> very snarky about it. That's what I remember. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. I, yeah. That sounds, I think I remember that in the app store just being 99 cents. I think that's right. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm super glad they didn't need to do this for, for the HomePod Minis. Uh, but yeah, you get temperature and humidity sensors built in. Um, yep. Which makes my Qingping little air quality monitor, whatever, 
uh, 17S5, whatever they're called. Uh, a little obsolete because they sit right next to them, but those also yeah. check for uh, actual air quality, so I think I'll be keeping them. Nice. Um, I read somewhere, and I don't know if this is true, but it sounds like the speakers are actually smaller than the original HomePods. Yeah, there's say two that they're fewer better. tweeters, I think. Oh, okay. So, that said, uh, a lot of people seem to... Th- be confident that that will like result in more or less the same sound quality out of Probably. these. So, um, yeah, it, it remains to be seen. The YouTubers once again will let us know if Apple yes. has like ruined everything um, in their in their they, in the traditional way of uh, of uh, reporting on stuff. They ruined everything by just axing the HomePod out of nowhere. So, I think bringing it back at all is good. Um, comes out on the 3rd of February, so got a little bit more time to wait than the, um, the new, uh, Max. Um, of course, you know, they, they talk about how you can pair two up and have a great sound system for your TV and stuff. Uh, Dimitri, I, I said, Hey, it would be great if I could only buy one of these and keep my original HomePod and pair them up. Dimitri did some research. Womp That's womp. not possible, which is a super bummer because I'm not going to drop $600 for, you know, two of these. I, I already have one and it works fine. So, um, not that I use it yeah, for TV. But. They they need to be paired with the same generation. And that goes with the, the mini HomePods and the old HomePods as well. Um, it, yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That, that said, uh, if you do want to pair it with your TV, it works surprisingly well. Like, it will accept all ARC input from your TV. So, if you switch to your Nintendo Switch and start playing a game, you might assume oh the the latency is gonna be bad on this one but no it just it just works uh the tv volume like goes through to the apple tv which is sleeping uh and then raises the volume on the home pods and uh you get great sound out of that um i don't know what that compares to with like a full sound system uh probably a full sound system is better uh but maybe not just like the way apple has computationally like outdone the better cameras with their cameras, um, they can potentially do something better with smaller speakers. So, um, yeah. yeah, I really don't know how it compares. All I can say is uh, my living room sounds good uh, with the old HomePods. Uh, that said, <laughs> the old HomePods, uh, the right one, uh, decides not to listen to volume control anymore. So that's just like at a oh. constant volume until you walk up to it, reach up on the shelf and like plus, 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 or minus, 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 minus. <laughs> that's um, a bummer. So I don't know if that's the HomePod. I don't know if that's my crazy Unify setup. Uh, all sorts of HomeKit stuff has like gone haywire this week at the same time. So probably all related. Uh, but it's like bad timing for the HomePod because I am eyeing the new ones as a fix. Um, and that's never a good sign. So uh, that said, cheaper, right? They no longer start at $350, which was the outrageous price. Now they're just less outrageous, I guess. Uh, but yeah. this is what like Best Buy and stuff were selling the old ones for. So, um, uh, yeah, it's, I'm glad that they they took a, a hit on that. Those two tweeters were not worth it, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yep. And I, I guess the last thing I should mention, because I, I talked about this when we were kind of speculating on a new HomePod, is it also has like the wireless, like, send your music over to, uh, oh, yeah, over the, to the HomePod, it. which is cool because... Mm-hmm. I've actually been using it a lot more. I move my HomePod Mini into my kitchen, so like when I'm cooking food or whatever, I'll like just 
tap it over to that, and it you know it's kind of nice. A little quick bit question. faster than yeah. Yeah, quick question with that. Uh, if you're in one room and you tap it in that room and it's not playing in that room, and then you go to the kitchen and tap it there, does it play in both, or does it not move anything, or does it move it over? I've only been using it like when I've been listening, like on my AirPods or just from my phone itself. Got it. Not from like a separate room. I only have one HomePod Mini, so I don't know. I I would assume it stops playing, but I haven't tested it. Got it. But it stops something, playing from my phone. Something to try out, I guess. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. Um. Yeah. Oh, I, last thing we should mention: these are faster. They are not slow. Uh, if you own HomePods and HomePod Minis, you may have immediately noticed that the HomePods, not very fast. The HomePod Minis, much, <laughs> much faster. Uh, yeah. And uh, this is something that you can look forward to because they're faster than HomePod Minis uh, via the the grace of the, the S7. S7 chip from mm. uh, Apple Watches. Uh, so, yeah, these do not get Wi-Fi 6E. Um, I don't think they need it. Uh, but they do get Wi-Fi N. Uh, and they are capable of joining the new, like, Wi-Fi standard, uh, or Wi-Fi network standards, um, which I have tested locally here. Like, my old HomePods are on the, the, the newer network that only supports WPA3 and stuff like that. So, Mm -hmm. uh, that all seems to, seems to work fine. So you're not being, uh, limited by these only supporting 802.11n, um, or Wi-Fi 4. I don't know. It's so hard to keep track with the numbers now. Yes. Um, but yeah, it should be a much faster experience. Um, I may no longer need uh, to have a HomePod mini next to my stereo pair of HomePods for the living room because they were atrociously slow. And anytime <laughs> we were watching anything and we asked like, what's the weather outside? Uh all audio would just duck for the show for like a good 20 seconds and it's like well i don't know what's going on anymore nothing paused it's just it just keeps going and then the audio is just like very muted uh while serious yeah. thinking so uh that's why i have a homepod mini there um and that is a reasonably good setup if you can uh put it together um nice. but yeah go homepods yeah happy it exists again so out of uh, this trifecta of things, are you getting anything? Probably not. No. Um, no. Sounds good. Yep. Um, How about you? Same here. Uh, I was considering the HomePods as mine <laughs> were wigging out on me. Um, that says probably some network thing that uh, I just need to fix. Um, and it's not at all related to the HomePod, so uh, there's that. Uh, I was considering the Mac Mini uh, with the four Thunderbolt ports, uh, mm-hmm. but then I remembered the reason I didn't want to, or the reason why I wanted four Thunderbolt ports was because I am using two of them for the big raids, um, the main one and the backup, uh, and I needed a third to have 10 gigabit Ethernet. But then I remembered, hey, uh, I did consider getting an M1 with 10 gigabit Ethernet, um, like built in, because they built added in. those afterwards, after the fact. Um, yep. And I didn't because I didn't want to mess around with ACLs because ACLs seemed very daunting and scary. Uh, so my raid sits untouched 
Uh, it's been <laughs> updated since, and it seems stable, so I'm just going to leave it. Um, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, it's it's on slower Ethernet, but uh, tis what it is uh, until I finally decide to, to update that. Uh, thankfully, my network is rock solid uh, from a from a speed point of view for that when I eventually do update that. But yeah, I no longer need more Thunderbolt ports, so I'm no longer eyeing uh, that M2 Pro Mac Mini, which would have been around a thousand dollars, I think. So yeah, yeah, cool. That's awesome. It's been a cheap Apple event week <laughs> this time around, which is good. I always, always welcome. This week's episode of Code Completion is brought to you by Weekly Swift Exercises. There's no substitute for practicing when you're learning Swift. There's dozens, literally dozens of people Fernando's mentored through different programs, and he's seen it time and time again. After you learn the basics of programming, you slow down because learning through experience is demanding and painful. Increasing your confidence is key, and there's an easy way to do it, practice. Fernando's Weekly Exercises help you practice concepts like closures and protocols while implementing actual features like dark mode. It's free to join. Besides the exercises, Fernando sends one or two articles about learning Swift. Some are technical in nature, but most of them will help you in your career by teaching you things like best practices, working as a team, and getting ready to get your first job. Thanks again to Fernando and Weekly Swift Exercises for sponsoring Code Completion. Go to twitter.com slash Swift Exercises today to learn more. So Spencer, I've got a code completion tip for you, um, and that is documentation markup. So when you're writing Swift code, uh, you might have added documentation, slash slash here, uh, slash star uh, mumble mumble mumble, star slash there, uh, and that adds like some helpful pointers to what your code is doing, right? Um, but if you added a sing- uh, one more extra slash or one more extra star, you get super-powered yes. documentation markup. And this is actually rendered by the default Xcode theme in a proportional font. So it immediately looks different and you know you're in a special mode um, that's uh, geared towards productivity and writing uh, lots of words. Um, and one of the things that it gives you is the ability to add uh, markdown. Uh, so you can go ahead and bold words, you can italicize words, you can code span words, uh, you can make code span links with double backticks. Um, which will jump to other parts of your code. And when you're auto-completing this code that you've documented, uh, it will go ahead and give you that documentation that you wrote um, as if it were part of the default documentation that uh, the rest of Swift ships with. Um, so this is a very good way of uh, adding context to any method that you're writing um, and explain what it's going to do uh, in words rather than in code. Um, so... Uh, I really like that you can like switch uh, to an actual proportional font here. Um, I wish that it was a little bit more intelligent about like the code gutter. Like I, I don't know if you mm. use soft wrapping or not. Um, I personally do, uh, but I like my windows wide because code sometimes is long and yeah. let it use the amount of space that it needs. Right. Right. Um, that said, doc comments they don't need that amount of space. It makes them hard to read. So it would be great if Apple like had a soft wrap for doc comments, which was separate yeah, than the nice. one for code. Um, just that way you can type your paragraph and it looks like a paragraph. You don't need to yeah. insert new lines uh, like a like a cave person. Um, but uh, yeah, we still got to be a little bit cave people. Uh, but now we have nice typography to go along with it. So uh, we can be ta- cave people with uh, uh, type blocks that we're hammering into the wall, I guess. Um, 
<laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's that's my tip uh, for this week. I think doc comments are a great a great way to make your code more readable and uh, more importantly, discoverable after the fact. So you're not yeah. looking at that code and they still show up. Um, you can option click anything and it shows up. Um, and this is immediately noticeable when most of it is documented and some part is not because then all of a sudden you rely on it and then you option click something and no, nothing shows up and that's like horrible. So yeah. Nice. Yeah. I was, I was looking through my bookmarks. I couldn't find it, but I had a, um, a blog post. I think it was by Matt, um, and a hipster, I think, mm-hmm. um, that, um, it was like, it ran through all of the, um, keywords that you could do in those dot comments to like you know like format it even more and stuff so uh i'll try to find that for the show notes and stuff but um yeah the dot comments are super powerful um yeah nice i like it and added to our show notes because i saw that in google search like earlier um But yeah, I don't know if these same comments work in Objective-C. That said, I have not used Objective-C in like a year. Um, So, sorry. Um, You know what? Off the top of my head, I think there is something similar, but I think you have to do like, for like parameters, it's like at param or something like that. Yeah, it's a slightly different flavor. Yeah, yeah. It's, It's changed over the over the years but this one is like supported by swift the open source project uh so this one is likely not to change whereas all the others were like other tools that were kind of adopted over time and not adopted and switched over um but because this is part of the swift project itself i think it would uh stand the test of time a little bit better right As always, I want to personally thank everyone for listening in this week. Please be sure to follow us on mastodon.social at CodeCompletion to know when new episodes go live, and feel free to toot at us if there's ever a topic you'd like for us to dig into. Most importantly, as a small podcast, please be sure to share this with your friends and family who are also interested in any part of the process of app development. It's your support that enables us to continue doing this, and we hope to grow a healthy community around everything we discuss. Once again, I want to give my thanks to Spencer, who is at Spencer C. Curtis. That's S-P-E-N-C-E-R-C-C-U-R-T-I-S for joining me this week. My name, once again, is Dimitri. You can find me at Dimitri Buñol. That's D-I-M-I-T-R-I-B-O-U-N-I-O-L. And we'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye.